630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Okay, how are you doing today? Hope you had a good long weekend. If you got a long weekend, if you had to work through some or all of it, I still hope you had some time for a little bit of rest and time with family or friends. And I hope you had time, my goodness, to watch or follow those Edmonton Oilers Saturday afternoon here on 6.30 Chet. Another victory, 4-0. Second straight 4-0 victory, by the way. 4-0 win over the Vegas Golden Knights. Mike Smith with another shutout. You're going to hear from him in a couple of minutes. As the Oilers are now 14-3-2 in their last 19 games. They're going to be back at it on Wednesday against the Dallas Stars. Furnace Family Oilers hockey will start at 5 p.m. with the face-off show. That game's going to start at 6:30. The Oilers 10-0-1 in their last 11 at home, 21-8-3 under Jay Woodcroft. A lot of positive numbers lately, and uh, getting contributions from a lot of different players. Neither Connor McDavid nor Leon Dreisaitl had a point in the win over the Golden Knights. A big goal, kind of a dagger goal, about five minutes into the third period, off the stick of Warren Fogle. Along the boards to Waugh, all the way to the blue line to Martinez. Then it's given away, and here comes Fogel. Down the left wing, and over the line goes to the net. Backhand scores! Warren Fogel! What a move! He makes it! 3-0 Edmonton! I've had a few that go in and a few that don't go in, so uh, it was nice that, uh, you know, that one went in and, um, you know, just read the play, and, you know, I just had so much speed that I kind of just went in alone. Yeah, I think I'm just trying to prevent the pass. You know, uh, you don't, I don't want them, that other defenseman to, to beat me because that's my guy. So, uh, you know, first instinct is to, you know, stop the play. And then, you know, I got a fortunate bounce and the wheels went off there. So Fogel cashes in the breakaway. He scored three times in his last five games. He's up to 12 on the season. And that's been a, a pretty effective line when they've been together. Fogel along with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Derek Ryan. Here's head coach Jay Woodcroft. Well, it's got the elements of a, a pretty good line. You have the size and speed of Warren Fogel, uh, someone who gets in on the forecheck. He's got a good shot. Um, I think Nugent Hopkins is a very cerebral 200-foot player that just makes other people better. He plays in every facet of the game. And then you have someone like Derek Ryan who brings experience. Uh, I think he brings a dogged work ethic. Um, I think he brings a level of hockey intelligence that complements the other two and for whatever reason this was something that we went to right off the bat when Dave and I came up from Bakersfield and uh, we've had good results with them I'm happy for them uh, they feel like they're a big part of the team and that's a credit to the work and the results that they're they're putting in well, yeah, looking solid. I mean, while killing a penalty, Nugent Hopkins got a goal on uh, Saturday afternoon as well. So uh, good things there for the Oilers' third line, which has been something they've been lacking really for uh, the past two or three seasons. So they're, so they're getting a good push. And speaking of Mike Smith, he knows that they need everybody contributing at this time of year, and so far it's going that way. It just shows the versatility that we have in our lineup. I think it's uh, it seems like we're getting contributions throughout you know a lot of different players and I think what since Woody's came in he's made it known that everyone's going to get a chance to play and be an important part of this team and like Russ coming in the last couple of games and different guys coming into the lineup that have played important minutes for a group and that's what it's going to take to to get to where we want to go it's you know injuries happen 
guys aren't going, guys need to step up, and you just, you know, you got to find ways to, you know, contribute to the team. And I think guys have really grasped the team first mentality, and, and uh, that's a big reason why we've been winning hockey games. And as for Smith in the net, well, unbeatable the last two games, 39 saves against uh, Vegas, 30 against Nashville. That was back on Thursday. So back-to-back shutouts. He has done this before. In fact, he's even done you one better. From March 29th to April 3rd, 2012, while playing with the Coyotes, Mike Smith had three consecutive shutouts. We'll see if he gets the chance to do that on Wednesday. He was in the uh, the home team net, the starters net today at practice at Rogers Place. But Smith knows playoffs are coming up. He's got to be in top form. I mean, I've said it numerous times. I think you, you just, at this time of the season, you want to be on the top of your game and be a big reason why you're headed to the playoffs and in the playoffs and playing your best games to give the team a best chance to win. And that's all I've been focused on. I've been not dwelling on what's happened before or in the past. Um, that's out of my control now, so I've been focused on my next game and and really been working hard to get it back on the rails and, and feel like my last month or so I've been really playing some solid hockey. All right, I can also tell you at practice today, no Kyler Yamamoto. Remember, he was hit by the Evan Bouchard shot in the second period against Vegas, left the game came back, left again, and then did finish. Evander Kane was also not on the ice. Here's Woodcroft with the update. Yeah, maintenance day for Yamo and for Kaner. We're just giving him a, a personal day here today and tomorrow as well. Okay, so uh, both Yamamoto and Kane likely to play in a couple days against the Dallas Stars. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for checking out the show tonight. Uh, we do have uh, another best of edition with some of our favorite interviews in recent weeks here on the show. And when we get back, two star members of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Dylan Gunther and Jake Neighbors. The Edmonton Oil Kings wrapped up their regular season over the weekend with a 3-2 win against Red Deer. 50 wins this year for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Now they start the playoffs here on Thursday. Home game against the Lethbridge Hurricanes. I was uh, pleased to be joined last week by two of the big guns for the Oil Kings, Jake Neighbors and Dylan Gunther. The uh, leading score from the team, Dylan Gunther checking in. Dylan, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing very well. Nice to have you on the show and also joining us from the Oil Kings tonight. Uh, point, I, I think he's the points per game leader. He's, he's, uh, he's missed a few games, unfortunately, this season. But Jake Neighbors also returning to Inside Sports. Jake, how are you doing? Doing good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. Well, I appreciate uh, both of you guys taking time out of your schedules to make the uh, the teammate appearance tonight on uh, on Inside Sports. It's been fun following you guys, and I know uh, we've done a few interviews, especially uh, you and me, Jake, over the last few years. So thanks for both of you hopping on tonight. So hopefully we can have some fun here. But we'll start with the, the, the serious uh, hockey stuff. Uh, Jake, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, how... how much are you guys looking forward to the playoffs at this point? You've kind of had that spot locked up for a while. Uh, what's it been like getting through here the last few weeks of the season? And I know for you, dealing with an injury has been part of the personal journey. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, like you said, I think, you know, we're so close to the playoffs that it's getting, um, you know, pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, a lot of anxious guys on the team, um, you know, to get to that point in the season. Um, so with, not, with playoffs not being around the last couple of years, it's, uh, it's a really big uh, postseason, so we're excited for it. 
Uh, I, I know hockey players are very careful what they reveal about their injuries, but I'll just uh, ask you how your recovery has gone and how you sort of dealt with also the the mental side of it of being out of the lineup for a few weeks. Yeah, I think that was probably the hardest part for sure was uh, just the mental side of things, not being able to be in the lineup with the guys and, um, you know, out there competing with them. I think it's pretty frustrating. And, um, but, you know, in terms of the injury, everyone everything went as planned. And, um, you know, the shoulder's feeling really good. So, um, you know, recovery went well. And uh, if anything, it was more cautionary than major. All right. Dylan, for you, look, uh, last year you had 24 points in 12 games as it was the, the very short WHL season. And I know you missed uh, part of it on top of that when you were representing Canada and you just came back flying this year. You have 90 points in 57 games. Uh, I mean, were you were you thinking you could put up that many points? Did you have any offensive goals coming into the year? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh I mean, being an offensive player, you know, that's kind of my role on the team is to try to produce and, uh, you know, help the team win that way. So I think for me, it's just, uh, you know, trying to play the right way every single game. And, uh, you know, with the players I play with and the team we have, I think when I focus on that, uh, the offense definitely comes. How often have you guys played together this year? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Jake's in the lineup. He's playing in the NHL. Uh <laughs> a little bit uh i'd say probably 10 games uh you know he left me for a little at the start of the year for uh bigger things but he's back now and uh you know we hope you're playing together for the rest of the season here or for bigger things and yes of course uh jake and i did that interview when he got back from st louis and scored a goal in the national hockey league which was pretty cool jake i, I thought it was uh I, I thought it was neat a couple of weeks ago you know, I've gotten to know Colton Pareko a little bit over the last few years and obviously won the cup with the Blues. And just coincidentally, we were coming into the building uh, the same time the, the other day when the Blues were here. So we just kind of caught up and walked together. And then he said, I got to go to the Oil Kings room uh, to see to see Jake Neighbors. How many of the Blues came by and, and said hello? Uh, quite a few. Uh, we were out in the loading dock uh, doing... Um, part of our workout there and uh, all the blues got to the rink and uh, they all waved me down I went over and said hi and um, they invited me over to the room so I went over there and talked to the coaching staff and was in the dressing room with the guys and you know caught up with a couple of them so uh, that was really cool of them to, to have me over there and get to see everyone again I know it was brief, like you got the nine-game audition and then the rule says, you know, they got to decide and they decided to send you back to junior. But what, what did what did you really take out of those nine games in the NHL and training camp that has stayed with you? Yeah, I think just the, the pro mentality. I think the, the way guys handle themselves up there and, um, you know, the way they play the game is, uh, you know, it's a very consistent, structured game. And I think, um, you know, that's um, a way I, tr- I try to play here. Um, as well as what I learned up there. So, um, you know, that's one thing for sure. And then, um, you know, obviously how they uh, take care of their bodies, their nutrition, all that kind of stuff. I think it's next level um, when you get to to live with guys like Braden Shen and see, uh, you know, their daily habits. Dare I ask you what Braden Shen eats? Is there any junk food allowed? Uh, Not much, no. Uh, His chips are usually sweet potato chips and stuff like that, so he's always got the healthy alternatives. But, um, you know, he's still got uh, some snacks around the house and things like that. I think maybe the only one thing we uh, 
we had that was unhealthy was ice cream. But Dylan, what about for you? I mean, I know you got to spend some time with the uh, with the Coyotes. They drafted you ninth overall. Uh, what have you learned about fitness and taking care of your body? And I guess I like. You know, like you guys are nineteen and twenty. Like you want to, don't you want to have a greasy hamburger and some fries every once in a while, or are you guys totally mature beyond that now because of your career choice? <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say that. Uh, don't let Jake fool you there. But uh, no, I I live with uh, Shane Doan for a couple weeks, and you know he's retired, so I guess he gets to live a little bit of the retired lifestyle, and he doesn't shy away from a good snack or a good uh, ice cream and brownies. So. You know, when I was there, I uh, I almost had to watch what I was eating just because he was mucking a lot of food like that. So I uh, I had a little bit of it, but uh, no, it's important. I mean, you you feel better. I I think that's that's really the main thing is you want to feel good every day and you want to feel good heading into practice and heading into games. So uh, you know, there's a ton of information that uh, you have used to and a ton of resources at that level, and uh, you know, I'm trying to make use of that uh, still in junior here as well. All right, so Dylan, I'll start with you. From what you've learned or from your personal experience with your body, what's the unhealthiest food you can eat? Uh, well, it was just my birthday, so I'm having uh, <laughs> tiramisu tonight. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I like a good tiramisu. I, uh, it's my birthday, so I get to pick, right? So that's my excuse. <laughs> okay. What about for you, Jake? What, is there anything you're tempted by that you have to avoid? Quite a few things. I think chips, chips are probably my weakness. I'll run through a whole family-sized bag of chips in one night, so I got to be careful. Well, it's probably about the only thing you and I have in common. Uh, I I can't keep <laughs> chips in the house, like because I'll yeah. just demolish all of them. <laughs> but but there's always some of my parents, so then I just go over there and be like, oh, I'll just I can just have a few because I don't keep any in the house, and then <laughs> yeah, I have too much. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, like you guys both went in the first round. Uh, both your drafts turned out to be virtual because of the, the pandemic. So you didn't have that experience of going. But uh, like Jake, did you pass anything on to Dylan about his draft year or the draft experience? Or, you know, if you don't get picked in this spot, don't don't worry about it. Like, was there any conversations like that? Yeah, I, I mean, we definitely talked about it for sure, I think. Um, you know, I think me and uh, Dylan were in different situations uh, going into the draft and things like that. So, um, you know, I didn't. I tried not to get in the way too much. I, I tried to let him enjoy it and not, and not think about it too much. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy who likes to keep his mind clear and not think about that type of stuff. So, you know, whenever he had questions, obviously I was there for him and, um, you know, gave my best advice, I think mostly with, uh, you know, interviews and doing them over Zoom. Um, you know, we had the chance to kind of, he got a chance to ask me about teams and things like that, and I would help him out, um, you know, how I could there. But other than that, he uh, he handled it pretty well on his own. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because, like, Jake, you and I talked before and after that experience, and I think you, like, you went in the first round, but you were kind of could have gone late first round, early early second round i think if i'm remembering correctly it was you know it was where you were ranked was maybe a little more up in the air dylan like some people had you third it was kind of like some people had you ninth you you went ninth some people had you like did you care did you look at those pre-draft rankings uh yeah i mean you see them right it's everywhere and especially when it's leading up to it uh 
you know, during the season, you try not to look at it because, uh, you know, I don't want it to fluster me or uh, kind of have that get in the way. But, I mean, once the, once the year's over, there's really nothing you can do. I mean, you've played already. And I think that was the tough thing for Jake, too, is that, you know, he his draft was five, six months after he played his last game. So, I mean, you're sitting on it for a while. And for me, I, I knew when it was going to happen. And, uh, you know, I was just excited. I mean, you're getting drafted in the NHL. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a dream come true, really. And I think that you have to be uh, grateful for, uh, you know, where you are now. I, you know, looking back, I you never see yourself in this position. So I was just grateful going in and... Uh, you know, I couldn't have been happier when I got picked by Arizona. It's always neat to hear teammates uh, being interviewed together. They tend to have some fun with it and uh, bounce off each other a little bit. That was cool to have Dylan and Jake on the show. More of the uh, teammate theme. We got Beard and Cordy coming up from the Elks. It's the best of Inside Sports on 630 Chat. We have your Edmonton Oilers coming up on Wednesday night, 5 o'clock face-off show, 6.30 puck drop as they're going to be hosting the Dallas Stars. 6.30, Chad, the play-by-play home of the Oilers and the Edmonton Elks. We extended our long-standing deal with them last week, and I was joined by a couple of offensive linemen, David Beard and Mark Cordy, and Cordy remembers listening to games on Chad growing up yeah, it was it was great. It was you know you kind of grew up watching the team, listening to the team um, through Chad. So whether it was you know the pre and post game show when we were going to games at Commonwealth and um, you know hearing from fans both before and after the game, um, or you know I grew up, my brother and I both played hockey. So when we're you know traveling to whatever small town in Alberta that week, um, listening to the game on the radio as we were driving. Um, was always was always just something that we we became accustomed to, um, kind of from those Brian Hall days. Um, so to see that partnership continue through to today is is really special, and it's uh, it's a good memory to look back on for sure. Yeah, and again, David, I know that uh, occasionally you listen to uh, Inside Sports and Shed while you're out driving the the tractor or, or working in the field. Was was that part of uh, your history as well? Well, I'd say more recent history. Truthfully, like I, I wasn't, uh, I didn't grow up playing football like Mark did. I, I kind of picked it up uh, late in high school. Um, but uh, yeah, as of as of recently, I've been checking into your show all the time, especially when I'm on the on the tractor in the field. So. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you guys something, and and do not be afraid to answer this because uh, you know I've inter- I've talked to you guys a lot over the years. Is it? When you hear someone like me or, you know, Gregor or Stoff when he talks football or whoever, when you hear yourself and your team being talked about, do you get annoyed? Do you think like, oh, I didn't realize that's what this guy thinks? Do you ever want to say like, wait a minute, like that's that's not accurate? Like, David, I'll start with you. Does that ever go through your head or, or do you block most of it out? No, not really. I mean, I think the interesting, the, the thing that really piques my interest is is knowing, having the inside scoop, being in a locker, being on a field, knowing what is actually going on, and then, um, not that it's a, not that it's wrong, but it, it is, uh, it is truly an outsider's view. It's a, it's a public perspective, um, and that is sometimes just as important. Um, and so, I've, I've come to actually appreciate it because truthfully, early on, I was like, oh, what are you guys talking about? They don't know, they don't know what they're talking about. They're missing all the all the details and change the change the spin but um i've actually come to appreciate it a lot more so 
I would say uh, it's, it's actually pretty sweet. So. Yeah, and what about you, Mark? And like, you're in an interesting situation because everybody's excited that, that you join the Elks, and but you know what it's going to be like if you have an off game. It's gonna, it's going to be talked about as well. How much attention do you pay to that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think you know what I think. I think Dave hit it on the head. I think every every player goes through a similar journey of coming in, and they, you know, when you hear people talking about the team. Um, you know, they want to think that, okay, you know, no, it's not like that. I have a different perspective. And then you grow to appreciate it over time. Um, and sometimes that, you know, that feedback can be difficult to hear, um, especially when things don't go well. But uh, you, you do come to appreciate it and you come to come to see the other side sometimes. And um, so it's always, it's always interesting to hear that outsider perspective and, and pair that up with what you're seeing on a day-to-day basis. Um, always interesting to, to listen to, and you definitely do grow an appreciation for it over time. Yeah, yeah the, the one thing, and, and I hope I stick with this, I probably don't always, but and I know from doing Oilers games, you know, sometimes we'll get a call and say, well, you can tell they don't get along or there must be a cancer in the locker room. And I'm always reluctant to say that because I'm not in there, and I, I don't want to sit there and say this guy doesn't get along with this guy. If there's a fight on the sidelines or on the bench between teammates, okay, that's, that's different. You know, I feel comfortable commenting on performance and play calls and you know winning streaks and, and losses and all that kind of stuff but I, I think you're right there's there's a lot going on in the dressing room that uh, th- that we're never gonna never gonna see for sure uh how far how far are we away from camp uh, mark how, how are you getting ready for things here yeah i think we're we're just under a month out from camp now so um certainly the excitement is is building um you know starting to you know get get there's just sort of the emotion is starting to come back of you know, the weather's changing. It feels like footballs are on the corner, um, you know, just when you go out about town. So um, that training does adapt um, as we get closer to camp. But, you know, really for me right now, it's it's just starting to all become become real and that we're really on the doorstep of this thing and just excited to get into camp and get started on things. And what about for you, for you, David? And I know you got a a, a relative. Uh, I know you had a baby recently. I can't remember the age now, but uh, you've been juggling yeah. a lot. How has all that been going? Yeah, it's been going good. We we had our third uh, third little one, little girl. Her name is Claire. She was born at the end of February, so we're pretty pretty happy to have her here. Um, the I the way I describe this kind of. This kind of period right now is kind of winding down. Uh, we've had quite a little routine going. I've been kind of working on an apprenticeship in the off-season uh, for electrical, and then that coupled with family and workouts has been, uh, yeah, more than busy. So it's kind of nice to kind of dial it back now and uh, start to pare down and basically exclusively camp prep and season prep. So it's uh, it's going to be pretty sweet here in the next few weeks, kind of starting to trickle back into the field and. Um, yeah, shift your focus from off season to in season. So it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty awesome. I, I just called Mark what was it, a day or two ago there, buddy. And uh we were just talking about how excited we were and yeah, how about pitches. The age is real back <laughs> on the field, so So I, I'm always curious and and uh, well, David, you'll you'll probably especially know this because y- you can tell from that I like football. I like like the one thing I really love about football is there are are set plays, and there are so many things that you know we we want to do this, and this is how we're going to line up. But yet there are so many little adjustments along the way and that's what i find fascinating so when the offensive linemen come off the field and some you know often they'll sit in the in the group of five along the bench 
and, you know, towel off. Like, what are you guys talking about beyond just maybe rest and recover? Is it, okay, we got to tweak this. Is it, uh, I'm mad at this ref. Like, tell me, David, what conversations happen there on the sideline? Well, it's been pretty um, pretty repetitive in, in Edmonton, um, but it, it's basically um, dialing in tendencies, uh, starting to keep track of what we're seeing in terms of fronts, in terms of combos, what kind of game, like twist games we'll, we'll see, um, what kind of mistakes we're making, how we can fix them. It's all in-game adjustments. It's, it's everything from technique to scheme to um, moves, effort from opponents, you name it. It's, we do absolutely everything we can um, with all the information that we have at that point of the game. So obviously early on, we have every single token on the table in terms of analyzing personnel and technique. Um, and then by the end of the game, we basically have a whole game's worth of information and intel to be able to dissect uh, tendencies going into yeah, the last quarter or whatever it is, last drive. So. So, so Mark, then a lot of times when we see a game on TV and the quarterback is on the sidelines, he's, he's talking to the offensive coordinator. I mean, it seems like the head coach or the offensive coordinator will spend a lot of time with the quarterback. But if an old lineman notices or says, look, like, like these guys on the D line on the, like, they can't stop us. Like, like, do you guys go to the OC? Does the, does the offensive line coach take that information? How does that all get communicated in the, in the fury of a football game? Yeah, for sure. That's always part of the, the conversation on the sidelines. And, and every team has different ways that they operate, whether um, players will take that right to the offensive coordinator, coordinator head coach, or if they'll take that to the offensive line coach, and then he'll pass it on. Um, but yeah, those are all things we talk about of, you know, maybe we're moving, we're able to move one particular player well. Um, maybe we're seeing a certain defense that we think a play will work against. Um, you know, generally, yeah, players will bring that up. And, and then that's, that's part of what makes good offensive coordinators is, is what they do with that information um, to, you know, to call plays effectively and, and get us in the right position. I guess you got to be pretty sure about it, though, because if you suggest something and doesn't work, maybe they're not going <laughs> to take your advice again. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's an art to knowing, knowing when and what to suggest, and, and definitely don't be wrong. It's the best rule. <laughs> There's some advice for life from uh, from Mark Cordy. Don't be wrong. Mark Cordy and David Beard from the Edmonton Elks offensive line joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Well, there's a bit of a theme today in this city, guys. From last night's Oilers game, you probably know where I'm going with this. Uh, has there? Have you guys ever experienced an obscene gesture in a game you've <laughs> you've played it? Mark, I'll start with you. <laughs> I, uh, you know, fortunately not, not so much. Um, yeah, I'm thankful to, to not have too much exposure to the obscene gestures. David? You know, yeah, I haven't had to deal with that. I'm too busy, uh, <laughs> too busy with my job to, uh, have to deal with that or, uh, be paying attention to that. So I'm sure I've missed one or two, but, uh. Definitely not. That, how uh, much? That how much actual trash talking is there? Because Blake Dermott told me once that there's more trash talking the farther away you get from the football. Like, yeah. uh, like how how much actually happens between you guys and the D line? Is there much? Not for me. Certainly not me. I am not the trash talker. I uh, yeah. Like I said, I'm 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 busy thinking and blabbing and pointing and all that kind of stuff. So I'm. Uh, 
I'm too busy to be trash talking. I got no trash talking skills anyway, so. <laughs> well, see, that's one thing I've learned. The offensive linemen are uh, among the smartest guys on the team, which I, I think we got to get past this, that you guys are just big, fat dummies that just push other people out of the way. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're one of the good ones, Reed. I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, no. I, yeah, I, I know how to keep my guests happy, that's for sure. So uh, I, I, I had some fun here with a couple members of the Edmonton Oil Kings, so I'll do the same thing uh do the same thing with you guys. Uh, we'll say that uh, we'll say that Beard has to go first for yeah. for these ones. Um, uh, so we'll start with David here, and then Mark can jump in. Just just quick hitters. Uh, which uh, which teammate do you think would make the best radio talk show host? Aaron Grimes. Always know Mark. What to say. Um, you know what? I'm looking forward to, to finding out in a few weeks. I'm sure we're going to have lots of talk in camp. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have, have plenty of talk going on, so we'll find out soon. Grimes would be good. He's been on this show. He's very well-spoken. He's, he's a good storyteller, and he's very uh, very detailed. Which, uh, which visiting locker room is the most unpleasant to visit? I actually wasn't expecting that. That's uh, the the roof actually leaks. Yeah, there's there's a few spots in that locker room where uh, in the wet weather, yeah, it'll be coming down. Better be careful where you put your bag. Always good to have those two guys on the show, former U of A Golden Bears teammates and now teammates once again with the Edmonton Elks. Joaquin Gage next on the best of Inside Sports. It's always fun to chat with former NHL goaltender Joaquin Gage. We had a little bit of a chat about which sport he's crazy about nowadays. And he also was part of the Black Hockey History Tour that came through Edmonton last weekend. I was actually there with a couple of former Oilers today, Sean Brown and George LaRock. We uh, we went by to, to, to see the trailer and, and go through. And, man, it's it, it it's humbling, Rita, to, to see all the the black players that have played in the NHL, they got all the cards up and, and just to, to have my card up there with all these great athletes, uh, it's, uh, it's very humbling. Um, I suggest it's open from today from, from two to eight in the ice district. Um, awesome little history on, on what black players, how far back it actually goes and, and uh, some of the history of the, the Underground Railroad and, and going to Nova Scotia. And, man, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's humbling. It's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of, of being part of that. So what, I, I heard you mention this earlier today, too. What, what is the story with this Nova Scotia? Was it like hockey players specifically, black hockey players specifically, went there to play? Or, like, how did that work? Well, back then, there was a lot of black people fleeing to Canada because of, obviously, racism and, and slavery. And, um, I mean, it still wasn't 
perfect in Canada either, but there was actually uh, one of the first leagues ever formed was a black hockey league in Nova Scotia. Um, Kwame uh, did the, the movie Soul on Ice. I'm, Reed, I, I took part in this movie and went to the premiere. I had no idea about this. I was as riveted in the, at this movie as, as anyone else. But, um, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a long tradition history of black hockey players playing in, in Nova Scotia and actually they they had fans come out to, to see them and and there was an integration into into with whites playing way back when. So yeah, that's uh the history goes back quite far. It's uh it's it's fascinating. I'm, it, it's unbelievable because I, I really had no idea. Yeah, that is well. That's a great story. That, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I'm hoping to have time to go check that out, but uh, before I, I'm on air tomorrow, because it is uh, it, it is free to get in, right? You just, is it is it kind of like a big bus? Is that how it's set up? Yeah, it's 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 a it's just a uh, like a semi trailer. You can go in and and just walk and and uh, there's there's little things. There's a little movie in the back. Nothing, uh, and you can see all the players and and different stories of males and females in there, and and it's a uh, it's it's great. It's cool. You see some of the the, the special skates, Willie O'Ree, uh, the the new skates with him on there. Um, it, it's just a, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a neat little small little museum. <laughs> awesome. Okay, that's really cool. Now, also before I let you go, I'm going to totally jump off the hockey angle because I understand. Somebody whispered in my ear earlier today and said, "Are you going to ask Joaquin Gage how he has become a Formula One fanatic?" Now, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's just what I've heard. Formula One racing. What's the story there? I, I watched the Drive to Survive series, got involved last year, Reed, and it's, it's snowballed. I, I need, it's almost to the point where I need some counseling with this thing. I've started a, a fantasy league with, with other uh, guys from the other station there. And it's, uh, I, I, I get up, I, I stayed up last night to watch the practice. I actually purchased the F1 TV that's, I mean, from a sporting aspect alone, the, the amount of access that, uh, that they get from to the F1 drivers, to the pit crew, to the cars, and the, I mean, the, the NHL could, I mean, it, it wouldn't be possible to do it that way, but man, it would be, how cool would it be to, maybe have a helmet cam on Connor McDavid as he's ripping through the zone going into score, right? And then you could switch between cameras and, and get different aspects of data and stuff. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. And the personalities, I've just, I, I haven't fallen in love with a sport this much since I was a little kid falling in love with hockey, I guess. <laughs> well, that's, well, maybe this can be a second career for you. Let's get you behind the wheel. See how you do. <laughs> I, I, I would love it. I would love it. There's a lot of guys with some simulators around town yeah. that they've built, and uh, yeah, I, I got to get in one of these and and see this. Maybe we'll uh, we'll get to the West Edmonton Mall and do some karting at some point, or, oh. or out to the racetrack for something maybe in the summer. I'm sure that would be a that would be fun. That is Joaquin Gage. We got your news and weather coming up. It's the best of Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Canadian soccer legend Dwayne De Rosario and Elks kicker Sergio Castillo still ahead. 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Ched. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. 
Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms. <laughs> 